You are now listening to episode 58 of Doc Fermento Discovers the World. Today we're talking with David E. Gumbert. Uh, David is a nationally recognized writer and authority on the intersection of food, health, and business. Um, he had a previous book, uh, The Raw Milk Revolution, Behind America's Emerging Battle Over Food Rights. And he has an excellent blog called thecompletepatient.com. Is a brand new book coming out, Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Food Rights, the escalating battle over who decides what we eat. I talked to David a little bit about the Vernon Hirschberger case in Wisconsin and how this relates to food liberty, food access, food freedom for us all, nationwide, uh, perhaps worldwide. Um, Hope you enjoy this. Check out David's book. You can find all the links in the show notes. Thanks for listening. All right, so David is a um, you're a journalist and a blogger at thecompletepatient.com. Yes, that's right. And, um, you know... I've wanted to have you on the show for a long time, and I felt a pressing urgency to get you on because of the Hirschberger trial. And then I noticed you have a book, a book coming out, so the timing seems just perfect. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it is. It is kind of funny timing, but it does, does all fit together. Like a perfect storm. I guess. Yeah, it's not necessarily the most positive thing <laughs> that right, it's all right. about. Right. But um. You know, to start, let's talk about this Hirschberger trial and um, what you what you found there. Well, the the the, uh, the Hirschberger trial I would characterize as um, very intense. It was uh, took place over five days uh, last week, Monday through Friday, uh, and uh, it was um, I sat through pretty much all of it. And it, it was um, uh, just uh, 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 intense because there was this um, really, I'd say, uh, bitter and um, important battle being waged by uh, the prosecution, the state of Wisconsin, against uh, Vernon Hirschberger and his defense lawyers. And it, it was... Um, they were all they were playing for keeps both sides um uh, i mean of course the defense you'd expect that i mean vernon was on, on trial for four misdemeanor for criminal these were criminal misdemeanor charges that could have landed him in jail for two and a half years and um and and the uh, so uh, they the, the, you'd expect his defense to be pretty aggressive but the state really had all guns blazing they 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 had four uh, lawyers there full time, two from the uh, Wisconsin Department of Justice and two from the Wisconsin Department of Agriculture, Trade, and Consumer Protection. So uh, that uh, that's a lot of uh, firepower to bring against one um, uh, you know, small uh, owner of, of a small farm in mm-hmm. uh, Wisconsin rural Wisconsin. So, um, but, uh, that sh- it was an indication of just how seriously 
they took this case. And, um, how did the state get turned on to this case, and why did they? Pro- why did they? Or do you know why did they decide to prosecute this case? Well, the, you know, I don't think we'll ever know the real reasons because everything they've done against Hirschberger has been totally out of proportion to what uh, seems to have been, um, you know, going on here. Uh, as far as the state began going after him in 2009 and 2010. And uh, it's unclear just why they chose him um, and why they went after him so hard. I mean, they've gone after uh, probably half a dozen uh, owners of small farms over the last few years, mostly uh, in connection with the, the, the farmers selling or distributing raw milk on a private basis to um, members of food clubs or based on a herd share or whatever. But, um, and it, I mean, it's, uh, uh, you know, Wisconsin has a kind of a, a checkered history when it comes to raw milk. I mean, they've been permissive uh, in, in um, earlier in the, uh, uh, this century um, they've been, and, and they seem to have tightened up in 2009, 2010, likely reacting to uh, pressure from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration that's been, that's wanted, uh, the, the FDA has wanted states to be cracking down on raw milk um, around the country. And so they've been, they've been after uh, a number of states. And so that they, they seem to have been after Wisconsin and, and Wisconsin complied. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, it's um, uh, why uh, Wisconsin went after Hershberger so aggressively still, I, 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 don't, I don't know. And um, uh, because, you know, he, he really, you know, when you, when you look at even in the worst case scenario, even if you think that, you know, he, he um, should have had certain licenses and permits. And that's what these these charges were about, that he didn't have certain a retailing license. He didn't have a milk plant license. He didn't have a a dairy uh, dairy license, and so there were three licenses he was missing. Even if you you know look at that, to to go to to file um, uh, misdemeanor charges, uh, criminal misdemeanor charges against him, uh, to, to go and and launch uh, several very aggressive uh, uh, searches uh, of his uh, of his. Um, farm and of his uh, small farm store uh, to, to, to confiscate his computers uh, and his, all his business records to throw dye into 2,000 pounds of his yeah. milk. Yeah, I was just going to say, without a trial, they yeah, destroyed 2,000 pounds of his product. Yeah, they did. Well, they, 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 that was all part of what they call the putting a hold order on his food. And that was in 2010 that, that the state did that. And that was really kind of the basis of this this whole uh, affair here. Is they, they they went in and I think it was June second, two thousand ten, with a search warrant and did all these things and, uh, and put uh, tape and seals on his freezers and his uh, refrigerators and on his food shelves and said, you know, you can't uh, not only you can you can't sell these products. You can't even move these products. You can't even touch these products. That was really what they said. And that's also his family's food. 
that's also his family's food. And uh, it, it came out in the trial that the, the, the state investigators, inspectors who came to, you know, put the seals on and uh, put the tape on and, and, and put the dye into his milk, never really inquired about uh, the fact that some of that food in the store was for his very large family. He has a, he has a wife and 10 children. And so they, they, I mean, they, they made, they, they, they made some inquiry about that. And, but, uh, they, they didn't, in, in, in filing the charges, they never really took into account, mm-hmm. you know, by saying that he was a retailer, they never took into account the, the, the reality that some of the food in that store was, uh, for, uh, his family. They also didn't take into account that some of the food uh, was for members of his food club. And this came out in the trial when a number of, of, of the food club, club members testified that they, uh, they, some of them actually uh, worked at the farm and uh, received either discounts on food or received free food in, in, in connection with their work. Now, this is a question that was raised when that, when that testimony uh, came in was that uh, well how, how many retail stores do you know of where uh, where shoppers can go and work and get uh, discounts on their food that doesn't happen too often in our standard uh, retail environment mm-hmm. um, so uh, and as as does the the, the um, you know the involvement of the owner's family in in, in in regularly taking food off the shelves for their own meals. So this was this wasn't your typical retail store. This was a obviously a place uh, where a community gathered and um, and uh, shared in this food. Yeah, and these people, it's <clears throat> basically a membership. Uh, it's a community supported agriculture program, and people pay a fee for someone to manage and care for the farm, and in exchange, they get food product in return. This is done historically all over the world, and it's very popular in the United States. I'm a member of a, of a CSA, meat and dairy, raw dairy here in Ohio. Fortunately, in Ohio, it is legal. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about the specifics of the case and how bizarre it got. All the words they were not allowed to use. It, it was infuriating to read. These people weren't even allowed, they weren't even allowed to present the documents that the members signed to, to state, to tell the story of how, how their relationship works. They weren't allowed to use the word health. They weren't allowed to use the words raw milk. Is, is that accurate? Yeah, I mean, the, the judge wound up, uh, I mean, that, that, the judge ruled in, in pretrial hearings that, uh, that there was to be no uh, discussion of raw milk. Uh, there was be, no be no discussion of of the health benefits that people might have been seeking in joining the food club. There was to be no discussion about uh, or consideration of of what was known as criminal intent. In other words, did did Hirschberger have some kind of criminal intent uh, in mind when he uh, didn't get a permit? Um, that would have made it tougher for a jury to to convict him. Um, and, and so he put a, a number of prohibitions on the on the case uh, because, um, as he in, in his mind, he was trying to prevent uh, the trial from kind of 
veering off into uh, supposedly unrelated areas like you know, the health benefits of Brahma. Yeah, but they try to trap him into a catch-22, say, whereas they demanded that he have a retail license. You cannot legally sell raw milk retail in right. the state of Wisconsin. Right. So obviously he could not obtain <laughs> a retail license. Right, and, they, and the judge really didn't, wouldn't allow that whole, um, that whole contradiction to come out. And so it, it, it was a it was a it was stra- a strange situation. You had, I would say, probably a dozen times during the during that week, maybe even more, where the uh, one witness or another would wind up talking about, say, um, raw milk, or wind up talking about the contradictions in the Wisconsin laws. And uh, because he had made these rulings in advance of the trial. The judge and, and the judge didn't want to hear them discussed. He would have to uh, 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 close off discussion and tell the jury, "Well, you have to leave right now. You have to leave uh, for a little while." And they would send the jury out of the uh, uh, out of the court, and then the lawyers would argue about what was supposed to be said or not be said. And and then sometimes these arguments went on for an hour or more. And the jurors, <laughs> I could only imagine the jurors. Sitting in in the you know the jury room, wondering what the hell is going on there, mm-hmm. and I think more than that, wondering what are we not being told, and and uh, because it, it was it was almost embarrassing after a while. I mean, they it was you know like they were being like being treated like little kids who weren't mm-hmm. supposed to hear you know, the words. They weren't supposed to hear the adults talk. They weren't supposed to hear the adults talk about sex or violence or whatever. Yeah. Turn- Block you know, your eyes, kids. These people are about would, to kiss on the TV. <laughs> yeah, right. Something that, that you know, they'd want to hear about. They just couldn't you know, uh, wait to hear about, and they couldn't hear about it. And then I read um, at one section of the trial, the defense attorney had said, uh, you know, I'm t- completely paraphrasing, basically that his client, you know, the, the state was attempting to remove his liberty or to take his client's liberty from him. And that word got barred from being used, the yeah, word well, liberty. What happened, what happened was, yeah, the, the, um, the, the chief, lead defense attorney, Glenn Reynolds, a number of times in making his arguments would say, you know, uh, this is a, a serious matter. A man's liberty is at stake. And he would, in, tell, in trying to argue with the judge, and after, I think that was on the second day, the uh, lead prosecutor, uh, Eric DeFort, uh, said first thing in the morning. Said, you know, I, I have a concern here. The, the uh, defense attorney keeps referring to the uh, the Vernon uh, uh, Hershberger's liberty being at stake, and I, I'm afraid that's uh, uh, confusing or biasing the jury. And the judge said, you know, I agree, and no more use of the word liberty. Yeah, weren't they, so, wasn't he facing up to three years in jail? Yeah, I think that is a deprivation of liberty. I would, I would think so. <laughs> if you're going to be locked in a cage for three years as a human being, that there, there's a, a fair ground for the use of the word liberty at that point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, so that was, um, you know, just like you say, one of the, you know, a, a few bizarre kinds of things. Yeah. That and there. so what was the result here? Well... At the end of the day, uh, and this was, or at the end of five days, the jury, uh, you know, debated the case, uh, considered the case for 
a little less than four hours before uh, acquitting uh, Vernon Hirschberger of three of the four misdemeanor counts that were filed against him. And these were the, the most important counts. These were the three counts that had to do with uh, licensing. Uh, so uh, the the uh, retailing license and the two dairy licenses, uh, the, the, the jury ruled that he was uh, not guilty of um, violating Wisconsin law because he didn't have those licenses. So that was a pretty big deal, um, basically saying that um, Hershberger could uh, engage in private uh, sales via the food club he had, um, and didn't he didn't need to have these licenses. Uh, the fourth count had to do with violating that hold order that was Im- imposed on him in June of 2010. And, and at that point, you know, after they put these uh, the tape and the seals on his uh, coolers and, and on his, his uh, shelves and so forth, he had cut those uh, seals and tape and, and said he was open for business because he wasn't going to allow that, that food to, to go to waste and, and he was going to make sure that his members had access to that food, which was really their food. And so he violated that hold order. And the jury, because the jury didn't really hear all the arguments about the hold order, the judge had, had um, in, as part of his pretrial ruling, said that the hold order could not be debated. And so um, the jury really didn't, didn't know the full story. They knew how it had happened. They knew that, you know, when it happened, they knew uh, the, 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 what the investigators said as to why they put it on, but they didn't really know, um, about Hershberger's, uh, rationale for, um, violating the hold order. Mm-hmm. And so they convicted him of that. I mean, he admitted he did it. He yeah, was, yeah. There was no, there was no question of that. He admitted it. And, uh, um, but, uh, so they 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 said okay well I, you know I assume that you know they said okay you, you know you you said you did it We're, that's what we know so I guess you're guilty and um, uh, so he he was convicted on that it's a one time offense it's not so it's different from the licensing things uh, but it does have a substantial potential penalty he could be sentenced I think it's a year in jail and ten thousand dollar fine is it the same judge that does the sentence the same judge yeah who will be uh, sentencing him. That's not good. <laughs> well, um, you know, I, I think there's going to be some, there are going to be some other arguments uh, around that. I think there, before they even get to the sentencing stage, I think the, uh, his, uh, Hirschberger's attorneys are going to be moving for some other, uh, recourse here, possibly to, um, have that uh, conviction thrown out. Um, in in it before he, 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 any possible sentence, or even to appeal the whole thing mm-hmm. before any sentence is, is uh, handed out, because from Hirschberg's point of, point of view, he didn't do anything wrong. I mean, this is you know what, and so he he even if the judge were to you know say, hey, um, I'm just going to uh, you know sentence give you a hundred dollar fine and and uh, you know let you go. Um, for Hirschberger, he would have a criminal misdemeanor. Uh, count on his or conviction mm-hmm. on his record and he doesn't want that so um th- th- this so this whole there's gonna be more legal maneuvering okay. you can expect yeah, around and speaking of his defense and defense team how did he obtain a defense was he um did 
was he did he use but, the uh, um, legal defense fund or something like that? Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's an interesting story around that. Until you know, he was charged uh, with these misdemeanors in December of 2011, and so that's about a year and a half ago. What he did was uh, for about the first nine or ten months, he actually represented himself. He was his own lawyer. And so he went to any number of hearings, and he would sit at the defense table holding his Bible, and the, the, the two prosecutors would come in from the Department of Justice, and um, they you know, kind of made their case against him. And he, he did a pretty good job of defending himself. I mean, I, he, th- there was one point where um, they, uh, they were claiming that he violated his, uh, his bail terms by... Um, uh, his bail terms stipulated he wasn't supposed to uh, run the farm. He wasn't supposed to provide raw milk. And he continued to do all that. Uh, and uh, so they wanted to have him, uh, his bail rescinded. This was, I think, in March of um, 2012, uh, just a little over a year ago. And uh, uh, they they filed a letter with the judge and, and asked that his bail be revoked. And uh, the judge re- refused uh, because he, he argued that, uh, that, the, that um, the prosecutors should have submitted a, a formal brief rather than just a letter. And the, the, the judge said, I, you're not, you have to submit a, a brief to me, not just a letter. And, and that kind of, uh, the, 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 the prosecutors never went any further with it. And but you know he 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 got uh, he convinced the, the the judge and other court officials on numerous occasions to allow his video cameras into the court. So um, he did pretty well. But then when it came time to actually you know have a trial, when the when the trial dates started to be set, uh, he a number of people spoke with him and, and encouraged him to um, uh, hire a lawyer. And the Farm to Consumer Legal Defense Fund offered to provide his defense. And so they engaged uh, uh, two top-notch attorneys, uh, Elizabeth Rich and uh, Glenn Reynolds, both for, uh, experienced lawyers from Wisconsin. And they, they provided the main uh, defense. There were two um, um, other lawyers who uh, uh, helped out as well. And so um, uh, he had four, four people uh, involved in his defense at the trial. Yeah, I can see that that legal defense fund is a invaluable resource. They are a tremendous resource, and the, they are um, they've helped uh, any number of farmers um, um, make their cases in court. Um, mm. They haven't always won, but uh, they've they've kind of served notice on the uh, these state agencies around the country that uh, the, you can't just roll over these farmers anymore. You're going to be opposed. And so the, the, these a lot of these agencies are taking the, these cases more seriously. And the larger issue that we're really talking here it's it's much larger than this individual case. And you know, looking at your book, your forthcoming book, "Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Food Rights: The Escalating Battle Over Who Decides What We Eat." I can't wait to get my hands on this. It'll be out. Uh, I think it's uh, shipments start in a couple of weeks from, mm-hmm. from Amazon. 
And so this is something you've been working on for a while. You've been on this case this whole yeah for a couple for a couple of years. And so I, I um, I've been uh, Vernon Hirschberger is in the book. I mean, his, I, I go into his case in a fair amount of detail um, because it it turns out that uh, his case is related to about a half a dozen other cases around the country, similar kinds of cases. And uh, these are all, um, uh, they often have something to do with raw milk, but they, they, it isn't just raw milk. It's about selling food privately that, uh, that, that they're all concerned about. And uh, you know, there, there are cases from all the way from Maine uh, to California with, uh, you know, stops in uh, Wisconsin and Minnesota and Indiana and um, Pennsylvania. Uh, so there, there, are, there are, is a lot going on. And, uh, um, yeah, I'm the, afraid most people aren't aware that of the massive lack of liberty, of food freedom, food sovereignty, food access, however you want to term it. You just can't... Um, well, as I think it's is it the USDA or the FDA has stated, Americans have no right to eat whatever they like. Yeah, the the U.S. Food and Drug Administration said that in a court case a, a couple of years ago. This is this is actually uh, though a, a kind of a recent development. Uh, just in, um, I mean, it's something that's been been gradually developing over the last twenty or twenty five years. But it's really in the last uh, five, six, seven years that the uh, FDA and the states have become especially aggressive uh, in in uh, trying to um, prevent people from acquiring food privately directly from uh, farmers. Um, and that's, it's 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 a it's strange and it's it's um, upsetting because it's it's this is a right we've had for many years. I mean that's how. Up until about 50 years ago, that was how people generally obtained their food. Was they they I mean, before the rise of supermarkets and box stores, uh, people uh, obtained much of their food directly from farmers or from small stores that that bought directly from farmers uh, or from um, you know the milkman or the uh, uh, the chicken man or the egg man or whatever um, uh, peddlers who came through town. Uh, that 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 had bought uh, the food from farmers, and so the, the the connection to farmers was pretty close, and this private food uh, uh, thing was something that um, you know everyone took for granted. Uh, it's uh, the, the problem, I guess. You know, for for when when regulators decided they wanted to interfere with that. Uh, the the problem from the point of view of consumers is there just isn't a lot of precedent to um, legal precedent I'm referring to um, on the subject and that's I mean there's no mention of food in the U.S. Constitution um, there's not a lot of uh, you know legal cases that have that have happened uh, over food and it's, that's partly because it just hasn't been a subject of conflict. Yeah, the access to food, to me, would seem to be a natural, innate right. And it is. All you could do is uh, set up prohibitions against this access, this natural right. Yeah. The access to, to fuel for the human body, I mean, to feed babies, this is absurd, and it, it angers me. Uh, yeah, well, it angers a lot of people, and that's partly why you saw so much uh, press and so many 
so much uh, protest around the the Hirschberger case, uh, people are beginning to realize what's going on, and they are upset, and so they are beginning to 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 express themselves, and uh, the media is beginning to take notice and 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 uh, report on it uh, more. I mean, there, there, the, the the Wall Street Journal had two articles in the last few days about the Hirschberger case, and. Um, I expect we'll, we'll see other kinds of things. Yeah, I read a very interesting quote in that article. <clears throat> a spokesman for the Wisconsin Safe Milk Coalition, there's a quote here, we strongly urge lawmakers to keep it illegal to sell raw milk in Wisconsin to protect the state's $27 billion dairy industry and the public health of its residents. But I, I thought, found it fascinating that he mentioned the $27 billion dairy industry first. Because that's what this is really all about. They don't care if people, um, about a few potential sicknesses from raw milk, you know, which is, you know, whatever, debatable, whether it's a dangerous product or not. What it's really about is that $27 billion dairy industry in Wisconsin. Yeah, and even um, the, the way they explain the risk to the dairy industry is that if uh, there are outbreaks of illness from raw milk, that will... A, a call into question the whole dairy business. In other words, uh, if pe- people hear about illnesses from raw milk, they won't want to buy pasteurized milk. And that that whole uh, rationale is, is it makes no sense because you know, if people really were concerned about uh, raw milk and there were illnesses around it, then they would be inclined to buy more pasteurized milk because that's supposedly the safer variety. But um, uh, no, I think what what they're saying, and, and they they don't say it, uh, is that they're concerned about the competition that raw milk presents to the dairy industry. Yeah, the dairy industry, and a lot of this is that is actually the dairy processors. This is right. this is right. the heart of the matter. This is um, this is what has driven most independent dairymen out of the business. Is the dairy right. processors board? They set pricing. They drive it down into a hole, um, so that a private small farm can't just simply cannot compete. They need the milk at a at such a low price that an independent farmer can't sell it on the open market, so he has to create his own little window, his own little private, say, call it a CSA, if you will. And that's their only means of competition against the dairy processors' boards nationwide, in my opinion. No, that's true. And I mean, and the competition really isn't all that strong. I mean, they're, 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 I mean uh, uh, raw milk... Is uh, consumed by at most three percent of the population, according to the government's own surveys. But um, I think what they they worry about is this overall trend toward people uh, looking for more natural foods, more um, uh, a trend towards wholesome, liberty, wholesome foods. <laughs> what they're afraid of a trend towards liberty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and and I think they they then they they see. Um, they, they see this uh, a danger to to their um, to their you know future market share. It's not so much the current market share, but um, I mean it's important to understand kind of where milk fits into the overall purchasing patterns of, of consumers. Uh, milk, you know, it, it it seems like well, it's just you know it's 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 in the Supermarket is four dollars a gallon, and you know, so somebody what if they they buy a a, a gallon or two? It's it's four dollars or eight dollars. But what happens when people shop for food? 
is they uh, they almost never just go to the supermarket and buy the milk. I mean, the milk, the need for milk is what drives them to the supermarket. They're running out of milk. You know, they every every week to two weeks they need to replenish their supply. So when they when they go to replenish their supply, they also do other shopping, and they you know they they buy eggs and meat and and um, especially fruit, cereal, vet, cereals, fruit, vegetables, yeah. and cereals or whatever. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, they walk out of the refrigerator instead of with four dollars or eight dollars worth of milk, they walk out with a hundred fifty dollars worth of groceries. And um, when they when when people start uh, going to farms like Vernon Hershberger's, and uh, they get milk. They do the same thing they do in the grocery store. They they well I I might I'm here I might as well get you know eggs and meat and um, uh, you know butter and 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 uh, uh, coconut oil and whatever else I, I need and so they 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 also buy for a hundred or two hundred dollars at a time and uh, but that that's all of a sudden uh, you you multiply that times forty or fifty weeks a year. And now you're looking at pretty significant money that, that, that is being lost to the dairy industry as well as other uh, food producers. Mm-hmm. That's strongly voting. Now it's voting. people like mm-hmm. Vernon Hershberger. And uh, that's what really uh, upsets them. Yeah. It seems um, one thing that, you know, the, the beef men, you know, they, they did a better job early on of getting this all regulated properly. For instance, you can still get some raw milk, you know, depending state to state. But one thing you cannot do is get beef directly from a farm. It has to go through a federally inspected facility for processing. Well, not and, necessarily. And many other meats. Really, I mean, I, I, they're, they're, that's I think they're, they're, that's part of the concern here is uh, it, it's it's dairy and beef, both of which are, are being sold um, without having gone through uh, these regulatory channels. Um, I mean, I, 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 I don't know about what Vernon sells, but I, I, I've certainly been to a number of farms where they slaughter their own uh, cattle or, or mm-hmm. um, their chickens or whatever, their pigs, and uh, they sell that meat. And that, that meat doesn't go through. Uh, oh. a, yeah, uh, I'm not familiar with any farms that do that. That's why. I yeah, that, no, they do. They, they're doing that. And, I know and, even Joel Salatin has this battle. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think uh, a lot of them will at least go through a state uh, facility. In other words, uh, they're, they're in the state facilities, the state slaughterhouses have different regulations than the federal, the USDA uh, inspected slaughterhouses, and so some some in some places they'll. You know, just uh, sell the state, sell the, their meat within the state, and so they'll go to a state facility, and but that doesn't go through uh, federal inspection either, and so um, so you have you have uh, the same kind of thing happening as with raw milk. You have more more food uh, that's kind of um, being uh, raised and sold outside the uh, the conventional traditional regulatory system. Yeah, you know, people talk. You any anytime you watch a food documentary, say Food Inc. or Farmageddon or any of these wonderful films, they often talk about voting with your food dollars, changing your spending habits. And I guess this is what we're talking about. It's often prohibited or very difficult to change. You know, you may have access to some farmers markets or things like that, but buying direct from the farm is really the heart of it. 
and it's really under attack. It is. It is. It's under attack in, in Wisconsin. I mean, that's really what's, what's going on there. It's under attack in Minnesota. They've had a brutal attack there. There was a farmer in Minnesota who actually uh, was uh, faced similar charges to what Vernon Hirschberger faced, a fellow by the name of Alvin Schlangen. And uh, he went on trial last September, and he was also acquitted of the licensing charges. And so, um, uh, but they, they've gone, they've, they've continued after him, uh, trying to get the, the charges um, uh, filed against him. They have filed the charges against him in another county, and so he, he may face another trial. Hmm. But I think what's going to happen here is that uh, I, I, now that we've seen two of these trials uh, acquit the farmers, you know, it, it's becoming pretty clear that that um, the uh, juries are really not inclined to go along with what the regulators and the judges want, and so um, uh, you have a, a, a curious situation here where uh, the juries are kind of, uh, and these are the kind of the people are are going in opposite directions from the yeah, judge. This is excellent. Regulators. This is the true value of the jury system. It the really judge, is being judged by your peers instead of corporation or you know prosecuting teams so that's yeah the only problem with it is that in order to get a jury trial you have to be charged with with criminal charges and um, sometimes these charges are civil sometimes they're administrative and if that's the case uh, it, then you don't get a jury trial and you go in front of a judge and the judges are, are, are um, nearly universal uh, universally um, Finding farmers, uh, finding against farmers, finding them guilty. Yeah, I wouldn't find that shocking. <laughs> so, I mean, what what farmers are starting to realize, though, is if if they're in trouble here, they have to really resist because uh, it's when you resist, like like Vernon did, he um, he cut those uh, seals and tapes, and he uh, and that 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 kind of forced the authorities to file criminal charges against him, and so. Um, I think that's that's what farmers are beginning to learn is that they 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 really need to to kind of move up the food chain here from civil charges to criminal charges. Kind of a crazy situation, but mm-hmm. that's kind of where it's at. So, what are the some of the action steps you do? You outline some things for people to do to to make a change for themselves or to better the system. Well, I mean, I, I, the first thing I recommend is something you alluded to. I, I, I encourage people to, as you say, vote with their feet or vote with their pocketbook and uh, to buy as much of their food uh, direct from farmers uh, outside the, um, the retail system that, that most of us use. And um, because that that's, sends the strongest message uh, that uh, when, when, they, uh, when the corporations see that uh, they're losing uh, some small volume of sales, or they, they that 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 frightens them, and um, uh, so that's certainly in a, one big step. But I, I I think it's important for people to get engaged. Um, too many people uh, when they when they find out that that if they even if they've been buying directly from farmers, if they find that their farmers in trouble, they they kind of. Um, uh, try to uh, avoid the situation. They may leave the farm. They may um, join another buying group, and uh, uh, they need to be. They they need to to know that the farmers can't fight this by themselves. 
I mean, Vernon did a great job, and Alvin Schlangen did a great job, and some other farmers have, have been very brave in standing up. But uh, they're, uh, you know, the, the, the authorities uh, don't mind so much going after an individual farmer, but they don't want to have to go after uh, groups of consumers. And to the extent that the people will stand up with their farmers, they can have much more influence than they realize. Uh, I think a big part related to that, people need to be prepared to get involved politically and then get their politicians involved. Many politicians, I'm talking about like state legislators, uh, don't really know. Our greatest power is state level in this issue. Yeah, right? state and, 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 and even the local level, the local, yeah. towns and cities. I mean, we've seen towns in Maine that have passed food sovereignty ordinances. And that sends a real powerful message that, that once, once the politicians get involved and once uh, uh, they're starting to respond to two groups of people, um, that sends a real powerful message because the politicians control the purse strings for the regulators. And so to the extent that the politicians don't like what's going on, they can uh, pull out uh, pull budget from these regulators. And that's what the regulators fear most. And that's that's sad. <laughs> what they should fear. regulators should fear sick people, <laughs> letting people no, get no, sick. I mean, you know, not pursuing health. No, no, they fear they, in they, their budget. Most first and foremost is is uh, is making sure that they stay keep their jobs and stay in business. Yeah, uh, I know. For me, that's, that's, that's mm-hmm. the, you know that's kind of the credo of, of bureaucrats everywhere throughout the ages. Um, you know, unfortunately, but. Um, uh, I think you know. I guess what I'm saying is, pe- people need to uh, find ways to to get involved and engaged and um, make their uh, views known. Yeah, one thing I, I would like to say, in, for my case, for what I did, um, was I went to eatwild.com to find a farm near me um, that had dairy and meat that I could buy directly from a farm. So I would recommend anyone go there. A great clearinghouse of information and local farms, so that you you know you can f- get access to food directly from a farm. That's a great idea. That's a great idea. And I just would you know, um, suggest that people uh, take a look at my book um, uh, that, that's coming out in a couple weeks: um, "Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Food Rights." Uh, I go through some of the things that people can do, and um, and 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 I explain how these. Uh, Various uh, actions are, are connected to Excellent. each other. Excellent. I see. Uh, Joel Salatin wrote the foreword again for your, for this book. Yes, he did. He and he wrote a great foreword. He's really uh, very moving. Well, he's he's no short on words. So no, <laughs> no. But this is something I think I, I've never heard him talk about this. He he really talks about growing up with uh, in in a in the South during a time of uh, racial discrimination, and uh, he makes a connection between. Um, uh, the oppression against uh, blacks and the connection against farmers today. And wow. So very interesting. Yeah, like I said, I can't wait to get this. Um, it's uh, for sale at um, all the regular outlets, correct? It's Yes, and I know Amazon is taking orders, and um, they say on the site that they'll be shipping June 12th. And I, did, I would like to mention your blog. It's very good, uh, thecompletepatient.com. I want to talk about that for a minute? What does that mean, the complete patient? Well, it's a little bit of a misnomer. It was I, I originally started it back in two thousand six as a um, a vehicle to talk about holistic health, and so um, 
it, it was uh, that that's kind of where the the name oh, okay. came from. Um, that uh, that people should be looking at their both their health and their sickness from a holistic point of view. But um, uh, maybe a year after it started, I, I became involved in writing about uh, some of these uh, raw milk cases and some of the actions against uh, raw dairy farmers. Wow, I'm really glad you pursued this course, you know. <laughs> I really, really, I mean, that's why we're talking today, and I, it's, it's, it's amazing, and it's incredibly important. Yeah, yeah, well, I, I agree, and... Uh, but I, you know, it's 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 it. Once you start uh, a blog and with a certain with one name, uh, and you get into the Google search engines and all that, it's just difficult to try to change it. So I never, um, I never did. And uh, um, so anyway, it's it's it it is what it is. I think it's 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 not a. a um, I think it's still about. Uh, it, it's certainly the the whole issue of um, food rights is is. Partly a uh, um, a holistic health issue, sure, and absolutely. It's, it's also a, a business issue. I mean, I I come from a business journalism background. Okay, and uh, you know these farmers are all businessmen and or businesswomen. Sure, and they're um, so they're they're trying to run a small business, and they're 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 doing it in the face of uh, real uh, difficult regulatory uh, actions, and so. Yeah, so uh, you've really progressed from straight journalist to an, a full advocate. <laughs> well, I, I consider myself a journalist first and foremost. Okay. I'm, I'm, I actually, I, 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 I am I'm more of what you might call an advocate journalist. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, I, so I, I do, you know, I make it clear, and I, may, I say this in the book um, that I, I do have a point of view. And um, that that's that's clear, but I, I really the, the the book is focused on documenting what's going on. It has a tremendous um, uh, amount of documentation. I've, I've, I, there are more than three hundred uh, endnotes in the book, and these are um, uh, investigative reports and uh, uh, court filings and emails among um, the regulators that have never been. Uh, um, revealed before so and that's that's that, that's where i put my emphasis i, I think it's mo- most important to, to document not just say that things are going on that's just make accusations right that there are things going on that, that we don't like but to actually tell the story from their own documentation and that's what i've done in the book uh, life Excellent. liberty food of food rights i i can't wait to get it and um i'll have all the links in the show notes and um i think that's it this Great. was incredible, and I thank you very much. I thank you for yeah, your work, pleasure. especially, especially so. Yeah, enjoy. Ta- I enjoy talking with you. All right. So long, Brian. All right. Good night, David. Bye. <laughs>